Good day, Francis Gargani, Redemptress. Once again with you on the third day of this summer month of July, coming from our Redemptress provincial residence in Washington, D.C. Not sure how many of you will be tuning in on this major holiday weekend here in the States, particularly post-year-long pandemic. But I'm particularly delighted, nevertheless, to celebrate with you listeners. So besides being the day before our national holiday of July 4th, Independence, today, July 3rd, is the feast day of St. Thomas the Apostle. He's the famous Doubting Thomas, the nickname that has stuck to him like miracle glue over the centuries. He's only mentioned in a few verses in the Gospel of John, but no matter. Thomas is a standout. Here's today's Gospel story that I suspect you'll know. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the nail marks, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Bring your hand. Put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe? Because you have seen me, blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. John 20, 24 to 29. I have never felt poor Thomas should never have doubted his brothers and sisters that testified to him that they had seen the Christ alive. Not only was he not present when Christ first appeared to the other disciples in that locked up, locked down upper room, but I can't even imagine how overcome he still was with grief, not to mention terrible disappointment and anger over the seeming failure of the whole enterprise he wrapped his hopes around. In other words, the establishment of a new kingdom of liberation from the Roman Empire. Thomas was drenched with sadness and depression, I'm sure. And since most of us don't self-identify as paragons of faith and hope, Thomas is very relatable. We're grateful to Thomas, not only for assuring us that doubting is usually part of everyone's faith process, but especially because if it weren't for Thomas, we might not have the incredibly powerful and life-giving insight 
of how important it is to embrace the wounds of our life. The image of Christ bearing his wounds, even in his risen state, is transformative for us. God bears our wounds. God is to be discovered in our wounds. The encounter between Thomas and the wounded risen Christ reveals that if you really want to be made whole, to become more an integrated person, allow your wounds to become channels of grace. How well we know today that running away from your wounds only leaves you emotionally, psychically, and yes, spiritually handicapped and stunted. And though our culture ordinarily doesn't promote such honest and necessary self-work, making it easy to anesthetize ourselves to pain and hurt, we also know how important it is to deal with the serious wounds of our lives. The entire 12-step program for the seriously addicted that has become a meaningful spiritual path for millions is based on facing our wounds and those we have wounded. And just think of the difference therapy also has made for so many who have been abused one way or the other in their important formative years or traumatized from war or any kind of violence in their later years. We vulnerably and courageously go into our wounds and allow ourselves to face how they still are limiting, controlling, and too often still haunting us. As I have already indicated, we discover in our journey of faith and life that Christ invites us to put our fingers into the wounds of the nail marks in his hands, our hands into his pierced side, so that we can encounter the God who was with us through all our suffering and continues to suffer with us now. If we welcome God's very breath, the Holy Spirit, to breathe upon our wounds, that is, to be the wonderful paraclete, the enabler in the healing process, then we can be set free from the prison and trauma of our wounds. So many people spend too much of their lives grieving over their wounds and never allow their wounds to be windows into divinity. How well we know how easily we can even become addicted to festering hurt, overflowing into anger and resentment. How well we know we grow impatient in the healing process. And like children of our culture, we want a quick fix. But as Jesus encourages us, blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. If we believe that if God the Spirit could bring this magnificent creation into being, could overcome even death itself, lifting Jesus out of the tomb, then we can believe and trust the Spirit will free us from our tombs of grief, fear, and the terrors of both day and night. The healing process can be slow and long, but the Spirit gives us the perseverance we need for however long it takes if we but ask and be open. So, hooray for the so-called doubting Thomas. He's our brother and friend because he's so human and vulnerable, so much one of us, and yes, so wise. 
He companions us now in our spiritual journey of life, pointing out all the ways God was with us and is with us. Possible missionary to India, where 2,000 years later people still identify as St. Thomas Christians, Thomas invites us to emblazon our wounds and life markers with my Lord and my God. Amen.